kids, K through five, you may be excused for kids' church with Miss Becca, kids K through five. Or you can choose to stay. I've got a great story about Cora and the people of Cora today. It's a fun one. All right. Our scripture this morning comes from Psalm 1. We are in Psalm 1. It's on page 528 in your pew Bible. That's right. I started, I started to hear some pages turn. So we're in Psalm 1 on page 528. There it's written. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So last week we began this new series going through the Psalms in the month of May in which we're going to discover in the Psalms that Jesus is in the Psalms, that when we read Old Testament scriptures and we read the Psalms, we are looking for Jesus because we are Jesus's people. Everything we know in in life and in death is through Jesus. He is our worldview. And so last week we began, and we began with Psalm 110, and we began in Psalm 110 with what I believe to be outstanding reasoning, and begin there instead of Psalm 1. But we were now going to hit into Psalm 1, because Psalm 1 has fascinating indications that in the way that it reads and is written that it is unlike most every other psalm. So most of the psalms, when you read them, you'll find them to be like a song and like a poem, and and, and they'll be to the choir master, and and you'll hear um, words such as that. But Psalm 1 is different. Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm. It has the feel of a proverb, the the literary style of a proverb that, that gives wisdom that says, It is this and not that. It is this because it isn't that, right? And and so here in the first psalm, what we see is that the psalmist puts righteousness and wickedness in juxtaposition so that we can compare and contrast how they will go forward. 
Now, in the first three verses of this psalm, we see the righteous one, the blessed be the man, the the one in the righteousness. And so we read in these verses about Jesus. We see him there. And then in verses 4 and 5, when the psalmist turns to wickedness, we recognize our own wickedness and sinfulness. We see the, the wickedness of the world, of the fallen world in which we live. And then the psalmist does a beautiful thing there in verse 6 and leaves us with an incredible hope pointing towards Christ. And so as, as we jump in, we, we jump into this wisdom psalm because wisdom is important. On this Mother's Day, we know how important wisdom is. If you've been mothered, and all of us have been mothered by someone, we know the importance of that wisdom. Now, we can also all testify that, that we did not always follow the wisdom given us exactly to the T, right? We're like, man, that seems pretty restrictive. Um, it seems like there's far too many boundaries, and, and the things outside of those boundaries that, that the wisdom has set up to protect us from seem awfully fun. And, and so we, we veer off. But wisdom is important in our lives. See, wisdom is to be there to help bring us clarity in difficult times and in difficult situations. Wisdom is to help to convict and convince us of a different direction. Now, seeking wisdom is something we can do with anyone. We can go to anyone and seek their wisdom. It's in the wisdom itself that we must be discerning of who it is giving us the wisdom, and what might be their motives behind the wisdom we were given. Now, today we enter a psalm that has wisdom, and so we know that the one giving us wisdom is God himself, and that his motives are good because his motive is our salvation, because he loves us so great. So as we begin here in Psalm 1, As we take notice of of movements in the psalm, we see in the very first verse that blessed is the man who does not walk, who does not stand, who does not sit. The psalmist here talks about this righteous man at what is prohibited for, for a godly life, a righteous life, walking, standing, and sitting. That in verse one, the way of the righteous, the blessed man, walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Not just rejecting the advice of the wicked, but the godly will also avoid the principles, the moral and the philosophical, which lead to the conclusions of wickedness. See, in the secular age in which we live, there is temptation all around us to go with a humanistic worldview, a humanistic philosophy, which eliminates the divine. It takes God and faith out of the equation and puts us in the forthright, and all decisions and morality and philosophy and ethics are based on our experiences and, our, and what is truth to us. For instance, humanism will go so far as to condone and sometimes 
sanctify sin. In that, from a, a humanistic view, there, there can be an instance in which a man and a woman commit adultery, and the humanistic philosophy and morality says that that is the right thing. And when we understand it in these clear of terms, we can see the wickedness and the trappings of the counsel of the wicked. The second thing the, the psalmist brings to us is that the righteous will not stand in the way of sinners. If the counsel of the wicked is a humanistic worldview, a worldview that is void of the divine, then the way of sinners is a worldly lifestyle. If we aren't to think and take counsel of the wicked, then we also should not do and behave as the wicked. A righteous one does not. Actions and thoughts, they go together. And then uh, the psalmist says that the righteous does not sit in the seats of scoffers, which is to hang out with those who have rejected God, and not just merely hang out with, but to have a seat with scoffers means that the righteous one does not belong with those who reject God, that our belonging isn't with those who are at enmity with God, but our belonging is found with those who are found in redemption with God, in reconciling with God. Yes, our mission is to go into the world to lost people who have rebelled against God, but we don't belong with them. We belong to God, for we are his. And so here, just in this first verse of Psalm 1, the psalmist writes of thinking and behaving and belonging. That righteousness is not found with the wicked and the sinners and the scoffers. And so as we move through this psalm from what is prohibited, we find what is provided. In verse 2, the psalmist continues, But his delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now I can assure you, delight is not the word we use when we think of the law of the Lord. Restrictive, confining, legalistic might be some of the ways we think of the law of the Lord. But here, what is provided is a delight in the law of the Lord. Not to see it as restrictive or confining, but because the law of the Lord is the way of God. His blessing found within it. The, the guardrails that as we remember as children that our mom who wanted to nurture us and, and keep us safe would put up for us. God himself has put guardrails up for our life and he has put them up as his law so that we may stay on the narrow path. And so he goes on. And he says that the righteous one prospers like a tree with a steady stream of water, yielding fruit in season with its leaves not withering. 
like a tree planted by a stream of living water, yielding its fruit in season with life everlasting. And he turns us right next to that and points to the wicked. For the wicked are not so. The wicked are not with the tree with life everlasting. But they are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Now, the chaff is is the husk around the corn and around the wheat that covers it that the wind blows off before harvest and leaves the grain behind. And and so there's this this imagery that the, the wickedness is taken care of and blown away by God. In Texas, farmers will take the chaff and they will throw it into a furnace uh, as a mean to dispose of or in some places as a mean uh, to create energy for something else. And then it says the wicked will be separated from the righteous. They won't stand in judgment. The sinners won't be in the congregation. God, it's found in Scripture, a little leaven leavens the whole loaf to remove the, the sin and the evil and the wickedness from our lives. But God himself has demonstrated this with his own people there as they were in the wilderness, the, the people in the tribe of Korah. I told you I was going to tell you about this. Number 16, right? You were all wondering when I was going to reference number 16 today. Who had that on their bingo card? Anybody? Numbers 16 is the scripture reference. The, the, the rebellion of Korah, the tribe of Korah, they're in this wilderness and, and they are complaining and they're blaspheming God saying, we were in the land of milk and honey. You said we were going to a promised land of milk and honey and all we've done is ended up in this wilderness. You are not holy. You are not leading us the way of God. We want to be in charge. We are the holy ones. God in front of the tent of meeting, tells Moses and Aaron to step away from the tribe of Korah and their tents. And as they do, the scripture tells us that the earth opens up and all the people of Korah and their households and their belongings go alive down to Sheol. And then the earth closes up. nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And you know, our guy Jesus, our Lord Jesus said something just like this. In the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7, beginning in verse 13, he says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Verse 14. 
See, ultimately, as we read in this psalm and we hear from Jesus, we are judged by God by the way we go, by the journey of faith we take. It's why we are called into repentance. Repentance meaning literally to turn around and go a different direction. It's why in the midst of our sin, we're called into repentance to turn from our sin and our flesh and from our rebellion from God and to turn and go back towards God. It's why we as a church are still called to go to lost sinners and call them in repentance to show them the way to God of everlasting life. Because the way matters. The way matters. It's the psalmist who says, your word is a light upon my feet and a lamp upon my path. The way matters. And Jesus the only righteous one, we are told in the Gospel of John, before he's crucified, Thomas, one of the apostles, comes up to him and says, how can we know the way? How can we know the way? And for us, this is a vital question. It's a vital question, Thomas asked Jesus, in which he replies, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just as the psalmist writes in Psalm 1, the way for life is not the way of the wicked, but it's found only in Jesus. Amen.